Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. We are starting a new series here this morning and uh, really excited about it. It's something I've been praying about. Actually, I've been praying about this series for five years. Uh, My first sermon series that I preached when, uh, when we moved here almost five years ago was I, I preached through the book of Acts, actually only through the first eight chapters of the book of Acts. And um, just kind of the, the, the launch of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, that whole th- kind of thing, and, and then the church starting to be becoming uh, persecuted, kind of preached through those first eight chapters and really enjoyed that series and uh, have been wanting to go back and, and dig back into the rest of the book of Acts uh, since then and have been waiting for the right time and just felt like now was the right time. And uh, the, the book of Acts is one of those books that, <coughs> pardon me, I love it so much because it's, it's exciting. It's a narrative. It's, uh, you know, you read Paul's letters and they're, they're all kind of philosophical and they talk about love and grace. But the book of Acts is a story. It's a, it's a straight up story. It's the story of how the Holy Spirit, um, that after Jesus ascended to the Father and then sent, he said he was going to, he promised he was going to send a comforter with us, uh, his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit come, empowered the church. The church just began to grow like gangbusters or wildfire, as we're calling this series. And, um, and as, as, as the church began to grow, just amazing things began to happen. Now, we often have a, a really kind of over glorified view of the early church. I hear lots and lots of sermons, lots and lots of lessons about we got to get back to, you know, Acts chapter 2. We got to get back to, you know, the way it was in the early church and all that kind of stuff. Now, that's all well and good up to a point because the truth of the matter is that while the early church was very exciting and growing and lots of cool things were happening, it was also highly screwed up. Highly screwed up. There were all kinds of there was all kinds of dysfunction in the church. In fact, I was talking to somebody uh, recently how a lot of times we think that, you know, the church started off really great, and then when it kind of, you know, a couple hundred years in, when it kind of morphed into the Catholic church, it got really legalistic and ugly and things like that. The truth is, it got legalistic from day one. Day one, you can't help, but when you read through the book of Acts, you can't, you can't, it just jumps off the page at, page at you. They are constantly finding, fighting, uh, you know, legalism and things like that, that that are so easily creep into the hearts of Christians. And so on top of that, they're also fighting just rampant, sinful behavior and just, again, some major, major dysfunction in the church. So if you uh, attend a church today, and, and uh, maybe it's this one, I don't know, and, and you tend to look at that church and think, oh, man, uh, I, I wish there was a, a great, perfect church, one that wasn't so dysfunctional or whatever, they just don't exist and they never have. They just don't exist and they never have. The reason the church can be so dysfunctional is because you're in it. That's why. It's because you're in it. Because you and me are in this church and because we don't have all of our stuff together and we tend to make mistakes and we tend to, you know, get impatient and whatever else and tend to get selfish. And that's just what happens. People in it, if you can find a church with no people, then that would be a good church to go to. But as soon as you join it, it's screwed up. So just don't, don't, do, don't do it. So, but we're going to, the fact of the matter is though, that when the Holy Spirit hit the scene, now, it's not like the Holy Spirit was brand new. The Holy Spirit had been around even all through the Old Testament from the very 
from the very, very beginning. You know, in fact, a lot of people tend to think that, you know, God the Father was first, and then, you know, um, then Jesus was born, and so Jesus became a part of a member of the Trinity, and then the Holy Spirit came, and so the Holy Spirit became a member of the Trinity. And that's not the way. They were all three there from the beginning. And, and, and with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would come. Uh, we read in the Old Testament how uh, God would empower people for specific tasks, for specific periods of times to fulfill his purposes. He would empower them with his Holy Spirit. And, and, and so, but the Holy Spirit was not constantly present in their lives the way now when we, through Jesus Christ, when we come to the Father, when we, we come into a relationship with God, we now have the Holy Spirit placed in our lives, in our souls, so that um, it, it's a constant guide, a constant comforter, a constant encourager, a constant you know, everything that we need to carry through in this Christian life. And, and, and I just said it, and I'm not supposed to say it because it's not an it. It's, it's a he. It's a, the, the Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit is not just some it out there. A lot of times we look at the Holy Spirit like, uh, you know, like it's the force. It's not the force, okay? That's, that's totally made up, okay? This is not a made-up thing. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity who dwells in our hearts. He's very alive. He's very active, and, and he has a very specific role. So just to kind of set up where we're going this morning, we're going to, we're going to kick into the, 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 you know, the second chapter of Acts. Um, and, and what had happened was Jesus had done his ministry you know, he had his 12 disciples, the whole thing, had done his ministry. He had died on the cross. He had rose again three days later. He appeared to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people for, for several days. And then he ascended to the Father. And he left, you know, as he left, he gave him a command. He just said, go, go out in all the world and make disciples. He also said, hang out here in Jerusalem and wait. I'm going to send you a comforter. And so that's where they were. They were waiting. <coughs> Pardon me. So... We're going to kind of pick up right there, Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn over there. It's right after Acts chapter 1. All right. Acts chapter 2. So it's the day of Pentecost, um, which basically it was just one of, Pentecost was one of the Jewish festivals. And so there were lots of people from all around the world that were Jews that had come back to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. It's the day of Pentecost. And it says uh, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now, immediately when we're reading the scripture and you, and you guys hear the word tongues, you start, you know, for some of you, you're like, woohoo, and for some of you, you're like, oh, that makes me nervous, and, and you know, we have, because we all come from different backgrounds. This is not that kind of tongues. When it says immediately there were these little tongues of fire that appeared to them, it was just these, literally these little flames that rested on them. So just imagine we're all together in a room like this, a few hundred of us, and we're sitting around, we're waiting, uh, and, and just praying, and, you know, they're, they're probably worshiping and things like that. And then all of a sudden, the room is filled with this sound that sounds like a train. You know, that, that, I say a train because I come from Oklahoma, and every time a tornado shows up, that, you know, there's always some redneck on TV saying, it was like a train coming through my house. And, you know, so I, I just defaulted to train right there as my redneck coming out. But anyway, so this mighty rushing wind, that, that was the, the sound of this mighty rushing wind that came through that room. And then these little flames just rested on their heads. Now, I don't know what they were thinking in that moment. But I'm just saying if that happens this morning where we're, looking, we're here looking at each other and all of a sudden, whoop, little flames, 
you and I are going, what in the world? We're beating each other on the head trying to put it out, you know, whatever else it is. But it, that was not a normal day. That was not a normal day. And, but this is what happened. The Holy Spirit came, and, and they, felt, they, they heard it. They heard him. They felt him. They saw him. And this is what, and then we're going to keep reading here. So, um, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But this is the good part. But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. They're filled with new wine. So, so they're, they're, again, in this, this upper room, the Holy Spirit shows up in a very tangible, very real way to them. It was, it was this massive kind of unveiling of the Holy Spirit to the world with a, with a wind and a flame and, and the whole thing. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be in that room. But, but to me, one of the most interesting parts of the story is, is that not only was there the wind and the flame and, and, and that amazing part, but you had people in this room from many different countries speaking many different languages. And whenever anybody would speak and begin to praise God, they heard them in their own language. They heard them in their own language. Now, again... When we talk about tongues in the Bible, there, there's, a, um, there's a spiritual gift of tongues uh, that the Bible talks about where uh, it's kind of a secret, uh, secret's maybe not the right word, but it's a spiritual kind of prayer language. It's a, it's a, it's a heavenly prayer language that, that some people have, and, have the, and, there's, and the Bible gives very specific guidelines, guidelines on how to exercise that gift and that sort of thing. This is not that gift. This is not even so much the gift of speaking as it is the gift of hearing. It's this gift where suddenly God was able to um, undo back in Genesis what he did at the Tower of Babel when he divided up the languages and confused the speech. He now brings it back together so that everyone can hear, so that everyone can hear the message. I've actually, I've actually witnessed this once in my life. I was in a church service um, with some friends in Nashville and uh, sitting through the service and the pre, you know, it was just any other service. You wouldn't have thought there was anything, you know, that special about it necessarily. But the pastor's preaching. And after, um, after the sermon was over, <coughs> there was a lady who had had her mother in visiting from Venezuela. And, um, and she, she stood up, this woman stood up and started speaking in her native tongue. And none of us could understand what she was saying, of course. And her daughter stands up to translate. And, and she said exactly what happened here in Acts. I don't know why, I don't know how, but as you were speaking, I heard and understood every word that you said. Every word that you said. So God has the ability to break down even some of the strongest barriers to the gospel and to make the gospel go forward. So what, what I want to talk about this morning is this, this concept of the Holy Spirit. 
Because the Holy Spirit is active and alive in, in the lives of, of believers. The Holy Spirit is something, he, he's a game changer. He is an absolute game changer. So much so that the church literally spread like a wildfire. That, that right after this moment, if you keep reading, Peter stands up in boldness. The apostle Peter stands up in boldness and preaches this amazing little sermon and afterwards, 3,000 people accept Jesus Christ. Just, just absolutely amazing. And as this continues to happen, now, I was actually, uh, it's been, gosh, six or seven years ago, <coughs> I was actually in a wildfire. I don't know if you've ever been in or around a wildfire. We were in Oklahoma, and um, where, you know, disaster just constantly strikes. And, um, and, but it was, it was during Christmas time, and the, it was very dry, and the wind had kicked up really strong and hit a bunch of power lines and caused an arc and started a, a, a fire. And the fire, because of that, those high winds just swept through the little town where, where Jamie's parents lived. And we were driving, go, going to see some friends, and so we were kind of heading out of the town, and we saw the fire spreading. I mean, it was just massive and moving through these little neighborhoods and it was heading towards Jamie's brother's house Jamie his brother and his wife's house and at the time when we saw it it was probably a good half a mile or so away from their house and, uh, and so we were like we better we, we, they may not even know this is happening we better pull over and see if you know they know so we did we, we pulled over at their house and said there's a fire heading this way you guys might want to do something and and um, they didn't know and so I'm out I go out front there she's like you know Kim uh, Jamie's sister-in-law she's She's grabbing all the photo albums just in case and stuff like that. And, and I go outside and, and grab the water hose, and I'm watering down the roof. And, you know, just, I don't know. I didn't know what to do, so I'm watering down the roof, right? And so, so I'm doing that thing. And then, um, and then before, you know, I'm, I'm just, I have my back to, you know, to the road, and I'm watering down the roof, and all of a sudden I feel something on my back. And I turn around, and fire is literally raining down on my back. And... Um, Freaked out. I mean, just freaked out, ran inside. We got to get out of here now. Somewhere in all that confusion, got separated from Jamie and the kids. And it was one of the scariest moments of my life. But it was one of those things where, as scary as it was, it was also very, um, it was also very exhilarating. Not something I necessarily wanted to be a part of, but it just, it just, it just caused all this adrenaline to begin to flow. When the Holy Spirit began to move through the world and through the church, you know, 2,000 years ago, it was that kind of thing. It was, it was dangerous. He was dangerous and uncontrollable and, and, and something that once he got a hold of your lives, you, you just never knew what was going to happen. And a lot of us will sit back and say, man, I wish I could have been involved in something like that like it happened 2,000 years ago. And I want to tell you this, and, and you've got to get this truth because it's so important, that we have access to the same Holy Spirit that they had access to. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Yes, yes, you know, progress has been made and, and, and all kinds of advancements in the world have been made and, you know, that sort of thing, but the Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit. And when we come into life with Christ and we start living Life in the Spirit. There are some things that you can expect that I think we can draw from these, these passages. So I want to I look at those things real fast. <coughs> Pardon me. One of the things that you can expect is that you need to expect the unexpected, first of all. 
that when you're living life in the Spirit, expect the unexpected because you never know how, when, where, why the Spirit is going to move. When Even in something as simple as how people come to faith in Christ, it happens in hundreds of different ways. I've heard hundreds of different stories. Sometimes it happens in the context of a church service like this where the Word is preached and people's hearts are, are touched and they, they feel drawn in and, and they come to faith in Christ. Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it happens through a one-on-one relationship friendship where, where somebody begins to share their faith and sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it happens. I, I heard, I have a friend who, um, she came to faith in Christ because at, at, when she was about eight or nine years old, she was driving down the road with her mother, sitting in the back seat, had her arm out the window like this, saw the wind moving through the hairs on her arms, and immediately was, was like, I think there's a God. I don't, are you kidding me? That's it? That's it? I'm, I'm like, we just need fans. We don't need to preach, Right. But my point, in fact, C.S. Lewis's story, uh, the great uh, writer from, from uh, uh, you know, decades ago, um, he wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and, and a lot of other spiritual books. And, and uh, he, 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 his faith was, his story of coming to faith as an atheist was, was very much the same way. It was a motorcycle through a country road and just suddenly became overwhelmed by the fact that there has to be a God. It can't not, there can't not be. And so the Holy Spirit works even in just the way he draws people to him in various and amazing ways. You just never know. In the lives of the believer, the Holy Spirit, you have to inspect the unexpected. I can remember as um, I was graduating from college and, and, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do as far as, you know, going to work at a church or whatever, you know, I was going to do. And I can remember uh, having a conversation with Jamie, just out of the blue. <coughs> <I don't, coughs> pardon me. I don't even know where it came from. <coughs> we were sitting around the house. Molly was a baby at the time. We are sitting around the house. And just out of the blue, I said, you know what? I've never been to California, and I really don't care if I never go. And then like two weeks later, I got a call from a church in California. And then we moved. And then we moved. And so now I'm really, really careful about saying stuff like that, right? Because you, you just never know. You just never know. And then, of course, once we got here, we absolutely fell in love with California. We just love it here. It's, it's more home to us than any other place has ever been. But it's, it, it is that thing of you never know how the Holy Spirit is going to lead in your life. You may, you may have a map planned out for your life, and then once you start living life in the Spirit, that map can just totally change. And for some of you, that is, that some, for some of you, that scares you to death because you have worked your whole life on that map. You have worked your whole life on putting that map together, on getting just the right, you know, education, on, on the right connections, on the right career choices, on the right relationship choices. You have worked your whole life on building your life's map and the idea of giving the, handing that map over to the Holy Spirit and saying, I'll do what you want me to do, even if it's not on this map, for some of you, that scares you to death. And I'm just going to tell you, I, there was a point in my life where I had a map. I had a map. It was very detailed. And, and, and after I handed that map over to God, because God wouldn't stop bugging me, after I handed that map over to God, very nervously, 
very, um, almost resentfully, and just said, okay, God, whatever, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. I can tell you this, that God's map blew my map out of the water. Out of the water. That God has things in store for you that you can't even dream of. There are some of you who, who would never dream of following God in the ways that he has planned for you to follow him, but if you would just do it, you, you can't imagine the blessing that would be on your life. You just can't even imagine it. That, that doesn't mean, you know, going into full-time ministry or whatever. You know, we, we tend to over-glorify full-time ministry positions, whether they're missionaries or pastors or whatever. I'm just talking about in the details of your life. When you turn over your career to God and just say, God, I want you to lead me. When you turn over your family to God and say, God, I want you to guide me in the way you want me to raise these kids and be a wife and be a husband. When you do any of that and just turn it over to God, amazing things start to happen. We expect the unexpected. You learn as a Christian to expect the unexpected. There's nothing funnier than a Christian who prays for something and then is shocked when it happens. (laughs) Right? Isn't that funny? Aren't, you, aren't we all that way, though, when we're like, oh, God, I really need this? You know, who here has ever been in a situation where maybe, you, you, you know, you, were, you had no money for something that you needed money for, and you're just praying, oh, God, please come through for me? And then when God comes through, you're like, I can't believe it. <laughs> and it's because God shows up and proves himself, and proves himself in just amazing ways, amazing ways. So expect the unexpected. The, the, the other thing that we need to do <clears throat> As we look into this passage, first of all, something very unexpected happened, you know, with the wind and the fire and all that kind of stuff. The next thing that happened was the way God brought that room together by breaking down those language barriers. Just absolutely amazing. And, and if you're going to live life in the Spirit, you need to embrace unity because the Holy Spirit is all about unity. The Holy Spirit is an agent of unity. And I know we have talked some about unity in the past few weeks, and Matt preached a great sermon a few weeks ago about unity, and it was, it was just it was a really great sermon and in terms of we need to be a church that, that isn't just an island into ourselves, but, but we are a body of Christ here in Dixon and beyond Dixon and around the world. We are the capital C church, and, and we, have to, we have to be that kind of unified church, and that is great. I, I, want, I want to I hone it down a little bit further because I think one of the... Um, maybe more kind of grinding parts of the faith is, is striving for unity just within this body. Just within this body. Because you guys know as well as I do, you can, you can get around. We, we love each other. We're a church that loves each other, and that's one of kind of the, the hallmarks of our church. It's one of the things that people comment a lot when they come to visit, that we just seem to be a church that really cares about each other, and that's a great thing. But you guys know as well as I do, you get around any group of people for any length of time, and eventually somebody's going to say something, do something to kind of rub you the wrong, wrong way. Or you're just going to show up with a selfish attitude and, and uh, you know, and just you're going to rub somebody else the wrong way or whatever. It just happens. And part of striving for unity is kind of doing what we talked about last week, what, what, which was taking yourself out of the center of a situation and putting Jesus in the center of a situation. And we need to become... Um, People who it is just second nature to put each other first. I, I can remember working in an office situation once where there were a few people that I worked with that were just constantly offended by people's attitudes. I mean, they just, 
they would just lived upset at everything everybody said or did, and it would just wear you down to hear these people. I mean, you, you just say something innocently, and they'd get offended. And you, you know what I'm talking about. People like that just wear you down. And, and, and one time I'm talking to some people over a lunch break, and they're like, how come it is that, that you, you don't tend to get upset about this, Jeff? And I was just like, because cause they're just people. Because we're all just people. And everybody has a different personality. And not everybody has my personality. And some people's personalities rub me the wrong way. But guess what? It makes for an exciting day. Right? Some people, like, come to church and they want the perfect church situation. And, and uh, you know, like, every once in a while I'll see somebody <clears throat> fall asleep in service. And somebody's spouse kind of give them the elbow and that sort of thing. And, and or, you know, or whatever. Sometimes I've even been in churches where all of a sudden like, you hear a snore, which is great. And um, it's, it, it does a lot for my ego, I got to tell you. And, um, but anyway, so you, you get in that situation and, and a lot of people are like, can you believe that? And for me, I'm like, that just made my day. I love that so much because it just, it just gave flavor to our service. And you can look at it and be like, oh, it didn't go perfectly or it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. But we're not perfect. We're not perfect. And if I wasn't talking, I'd be snoring some days too, I guarantee you. And so that, that, that's, just, that's just, we're all people. And we got to, I mean, who do you think you are? Get over yourself that you think everybody's got to bow to your nature. Please, let people be people. Now, I'm not saying be a doormat and let people walk all over you. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying exercise a little grace in, in the day in, day out. Strive for unity. If you find yourself being that person that is just constantly um, undone by other people's words or choices or whatever, I, I think there's a possibility that maybe your life is just a little bit too much about you. Get over yourself. That, there, that's in the Bible somewhere. I'll find a verse for it. <laughs> just get over yourself, okay? Embrace unity, all right? So the, the other thing that you can do, <clears throat> that, that, that we're, we're, when we experience life in the spirit is you can bank on this. I love that little, that verse at the end, the verse 13 that we read where it's like, and some looked at that whole situation and said, these people are drunk. These people are drunk. And so when it comes to life in the spirit, you need to um, just prepare for resistance. Not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to get it. It's just, it's just the way it is. I remember I, I was at a, as a youth pastor, I was at a conference one time listening to a youth pastor of a very large church uh, talk, and, and he was making this point that not everybody's going to get it. And he said, I, one time I went to a, a church. He was a guest speaker at a, at a church event somewhere, and they had flown him in for this event. And, and he said, honestly, and this guy, this guy is, is, is a, was a youth pastor at one of the largest churches in the nation. And he said, honestly, this church put on an event that I have never even tried to put on. It was the single greatest youth event I have ever seen in my life. I was just standing back looking at this thing going, wow. I mean, just everything there had to be, there was just something for everything. It was just this amazing, amazing event for youth, right? He said, as I'm standing back up against the wall, just taking it all in, there's two kids standing next to me looking at the same thing going, this is stupid. Not everybody's going to get it. And that, that, that's okay. Because what happens is when we become undone by the people who don't get it, that's just, that's just Satan getting his hooks in us and trying to get us to get discouraged and that sort of thing. That's okay. Not everybody's going to get it. 
Sometimes people have to hear the word for, you know, two seconds before they're like, sign me up. Sometimes they have to hear it for two decades before they say, sign me up. Not everybody gets it at the same time. And there will be people who, who give you resistance. There will be people who try to tear down what you do. There will be people who just, don't, who just simply don't understand. There will be people who will become your enemies for no other reason than you're a follower of Christ. No other reason. That's okay. You, you stand in good company with Christians who have lived throughout the millennia. Expect resistance. You're even going to see some resistance within the church you attend. Who here has ever gone to an event or a conference or something and just came back so fired up? Maybe, maybe you just had a moment in some way. It could have been at a church service or something where you just felt the Holy Spirit impress a ministry, a burden on you in some way that you just felt like, oh, we got to do something about this. I'm all fired up. You're, you're just ideas or juices are flowing and everything else. And then you go to those people who should be the most in your corner, your church you know, your fellow churchmates, and you share that with them, and you get nothing. You get, oh, yeah, okay. Did you watch TV last night? I watched TV last night, you know, whatever. <laughs> you get that response. It, it, why? Because not everybody gets it at the same time. And you don't have to be discouraged by that. God gave you that message and that burden for a reason. He gave it to you. You'd carry on and be faithful. Expect it. There's a point I want to make now that um, <clears throat> we'll get there in a second, but that, that this whole thing is not about us. That, that, you know, that I said right after the part, part that we just read, Peter begins to preach a sermon. And as he does that, he does this thing where, first of all, Peter was not um, the hero of the Gospels, per se. Okay? When you read the, 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 you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospel accounts of, of Jesus' life, that Peter was kind of... Um, well, he's pretty rough around the edges, and he didn't always make the right choices. He didn't always say the right things. And, and, and in fact, Jesus, uh, you know, right before Jesus is arrested, Jesus predicts to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no way, I would never deny you. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're, before the rooster crows in the morning, you'll have denied me three times. And sure enough, as Jesus is being arrested and flogged and everything else, and people see Peter in the crowd and they recognize him and he has opportunity. You're the guy that follows Jesus. You're one of his disciples. He has the opportunity to say, yes, and this man is innocent, and yes, and whatever. And instead, he's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then the third time, not just no, but H-E double hockey sticks, no. And then and he denies him. You fast forward just a handful of days now to this day of Pentecost, and Peter is preaching a sermon that brings thousands to Christ boldly, boldly. Read that sermon in your free time because it's a bold, bold sermon. What's the difference? What, what happened? What's the difference? The difference is the hope of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter began to realize that when you're called to serve, you just have to serve. You just have to serve. I was, um, you may not know this, um, and, and I expect you to be just overwhelmingly impressed by this. But um, your pastor acted in an Oscar-nominated movie. I don't know if you know that. Um, if you don't, here it is. Go ahead and show this clip.
That's Brad Pitt, by the way. I just want to point that out. That's Jonah Hill, by the way. I just want to point that out. Philip Seymour Hoffman, big actor. I just want to point that out. Oscar-nominated movie, and in case you missed it the first time, in case you blinked, because, you know, here it is again, right here. There it is, boom, 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 me, 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 that's me, all me in an Oscar-nominated movie right there, okay? So, I got the opportunity, Isaiah and I got the opportunity to go and show up for a big, you know, cattle call of, of extras to film in that movie, and it was a lot of fun, it was, you know, it was, we did it overnight, and <clears throat> and uh, it, we just screamed all night long. That that one, literally that, like, you know, little home run swing and then us screaming, that's all we filmed for, like, five hours straight. And so just my my voice was sore, and, you know, it was it was, it was was really cool. So but here's, the th- here's the thing I know. When the Oscar nominations came out, um, I was not shocked that my name wasn't on the list. <laughs> Even though I'm just going to go out and say... I think I sold it. I really do. I think I sold it. But, but, I'm, but my, I was not shocked that my name was on, on the list. Do you know why I wasn't shocked? Because it wasn't a movie about me. I just showed up and did what somebody asked me to do. It had nothing to do with me until this moment right here, right? Okay? Now, when it comes to serving Christ, one of the things that we we have to get out of our head is that this whole thing is all about us because it's not. We're just extras. We're just extras. And you may occasionally get your moment, spiritually speaking, in the limelight or whatever, but ultimately it's about all of us showing up and serving in any way that we possibly can. In any way that we possibly can. It's It's not about us. It's not about us at all. In fact, it's so, so many times Christianity is sold as this kind of self-help religion. If you come to Christ, then um, you know, your marriage is going to get better and you're going to be a better parent and your sex life is going to improve and your money thing is going to get better and just the, the, whole, you know, the whole thing. It's just self-help, self-help, self-help. You know, you can look, you can, you can take a ver- pull a verse out of the Bible, out of context and make it mean anything to your life. And I'm just saying... That it, this is not a self-help religion. It's a Christ-centered faith. It's a Christ-centered faith. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Jesus' name is on the marquee, not ours. And so when you come to faith in Christ, when you come to faith in Christ, one of the things you have to remember is that you, you just got to serve because it's not about you. You just have to serve. And part of faith in Christ is just showing up faithfully faithfully, and, and, and reminding ourselves that there is one greater than I. There is only one whose name is worthy of praise. There is only one man in the history of the world that had the right to complain, spiritually speaking, about his life, and it's not me, and he didn't. He went to the cross for me. It's all about him. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ who makes your life about making his name famous, 
not your own name, not your cause or your purpose or your ministry or, you know, whatever it is, but his name famous. When you become that follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is able to work through you in amazing ways. Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. I want to tell you guys this morning that First of all, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, if, you have, if you've placed your faith with, him, faith with him and you've started off in this relationship with him, embrace the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Get to know the Holy Spirit in your life. And there's nothing magical about that. You don't have to go seek out Yoda to be trained to figure it out or anything like that. Just begin to walk with God. Well, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? And you know, how do I know when to talk to the Holy Spirit and when to talk to Jesus and when to talk to God? And they're all the same. They're all the same, three in one, one. And the Holy Spirit is just God, Jesus, in our lives. It's all the same. And he guides us. He speaks to us in the stillness of the moments. And and he, he, he helps us through life. And he encourages us when we need encouragement. And he keeps us on the right path when we need to be kept on the right path. And he just does all that for us. And when you become in touch with the Holy Spirit, how do you do it? You get to know him. How do you get to know him? You spend time with him. How do you spend time with him? You pray, you read your Bible, you just do life with God. You just do life. Are you serious, Jeff? Are you seriously telling me that it's all comes down to praying and reading my Bible? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. I know that's disappointing for you. I'm sorry. But this is what I, this is what I want to know. This is what I want you to know. If you want to hear from God, he wrote you a letter. He, he actually sent you a letter. It's a big letter, I'll, I'll give you that. But his words are right here. Just dive into it. Dive into it. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, and the Holy Spirit begins to just move in our lives through these words. If you're praying and you're like, I never hear from God, you need to shut up and listen. You talk too much. You just talk and talk, and I want this, and bless this, and heal this, and do this, and I got to go. Bye. And you never give God time to respond back. Go ahead, say what you got to say, but then shut up. Just sit there and be quiet for a little bit. Some of you, that scares you to death, too. Be quiet. Be quiet. As you get to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, as you get to... When, when, those, when he speaks to you through those thoughts and through those leadings and through those kind of spiritual nudges that, that we get, you'll begin to differ, differentiate what's just the clutter of your mind or the distraction of the enemy from, from the voice of God. It's not going to conflict with this, first of all. It's not going to conflict with this. Will you pray with me? <coughs> Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we want um, to walk in the power of your your Holy Spirit even more than we ever have. God, we want to be so close to you that we recognize your voice quickly. We want to hear from you often. And um, God, it's not because we want some sort of magical power to hear you. It's because we want to hear from you so that you can we can hear your direction. And so, God, that means that we also submit to your direction. We also submit to you. We ask you to lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go. God, help us to live a life um, that is victorious, a life in the spirit that you've called us to live. 
We love you. We love you, and we thank you for your word this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.